With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. I am your host, Dave Schofield, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, coming at you on a Thursday morning. Week one's in the books. It's done. All teams have played. Half the teams in the NFL are undefeated. The other half are looking for their first win. But it's Thursday. It kicks off the new week of the season with a game going on tonight. Key key, uh, AFC North matchup between the Browns and the Bengals. So it is time to dive in to some of these numbers with yours truly, the Steeler Stat Geek. One thing I want to bring up, just to give an update there for those of you that might be curious, we ran our the all the entry for our contest to win the signed Marquise Pouncey football. That ran all the way up to the 1 o'clock kickoff on Sunday where people had a chance to get in and get signed up for that. We lost almost half our contestants in the very first week. There were some things that people were not banking on. Um, The most commonly picked game was the Buffalo Bills. They took care of business. The next most common game just so happened to be for the Indianapolis Colts to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars, which did not happen. So after 89 contestants moved on on that from that Buffalo Bills game, we had 77 go down and defeat because of the Colts. Then the next most popular game was another loss, which was the Philadelphia Eagles to the Washington Redskins, which was, oh, I said it. I said the wrong team to the Washington football team. I am was going to refer back to last year's team, who I guess I could call them that name, but I'll, I'll just let it go that, um, Week one of last year, it was crazy because a lot of people would pick the Eagles over the Washington football team because they played each other the opening week two years in a row. Last year, it was Washington that jumped out to a 17 nothing to lead, and people started to go crazy and said, what's going on? I picked the Eagles, and the Eagles came back and won that game. This time, it was the Eagles that jumped out to a 17 nothing lead, never scored another point. Washington came back, took care of business and knocked 42 people out of the Survivor Contest. So we had some other popular picks, like uh, the next most popular pick was the Steelers. So we're going to dive into that game here real quick. Uh, 32 of the contestants. All in all, there are there were 355 entries uh, the, for the contest. So that's pretty interesting to see how that plays out. I'll give, I'll give the update here on Thursday mornings for those of you trying to catch it in audio. I also gave the update on the Scobro show. If you did not get to, to catch that, that... Uh, was out on YouTube Tuesday night and was the audio was on Wednesday, yesterday. Um, we had a guest, uh, the the last uh, staff writer from BTSC to a, who hadn't appeared on a podcast yet. Shannon White came on and gave us his thoughts um, on the game that happened. So let's talk about this game that happened. I know it's Thursday. I know it's time to move on. 
But this is part of what we do with StatGeek. We're going to talk about some of the old numbers and see what we can do with some of the new numbers. But in the middle of this, we're going to take a question. We're going to take a fan question and, and break it down. So some of the numbers that stood out to me, the first thing that I, that, that I really liked about this, and if you read my analyzing the, the win by the numbers article that comes out the day after, after the, um, the, the Steelers game, some of these are going to be from that, and some of them aren't. But th- those were my favorite numbers right after the game. So, of course, they're still some of my favorite numbers. Uh, Got to love the 113. Got to love 113 yards on the ground by one Benny Snell Jr., I want to call him Benjamin Snell, but I don't know that that's really his name. He might really be a Benny. Um, sorry, I, I couldn't help that. That's a you know a shout out to Lance Williams um, with um, but busted into Benny No Jets, who I constantly disagreed with him last year, and uh, Benny kind of showed us what he could do. Um, it was interesting. They, James Conner was out with the ankle injury. He went out in the first half. Not a big deal was made about it. Connor went out in the first half and the announcement of his injury didn't come until the fourth quarter that he was questionable to return, which kind of tells me maybe it was a little bit of an ankle, but maybe it was who knows how many times he would have got in there anyway, if it wasn't for that ankle, Benny was running well. Um, it seemed like his style fit really well up going up against uh, the Giants. And yes, he did have the one fumble in the one play, but that's where you get Juju Smith-Schuster coming in to save the day. Good heads up, hustle, hard work, not afraid to lay it on the line for his team play. Comes out of there with that ball surrounded by blue jerseys. And the Steelers went down and got a key field goal from that one. That was right after the Cam Hayward interception. I mean, when I say right after, it was within five plays after that interception. So 113, okay, yards by Benny Snell. That was pretty good. I was really happy with the run-to-pass ratio in this game, although I was concerned about it early on, uh, excuse me, early on, because it seemed like the Steelers were sticking with the run, especially when Connor was in there, when it wasn't very effective. Sometimes you want to get that run-to-pass ratio going, but sometimes... You've got to pass the ball if the run's not working in order to start moving it and open up the run. And I don't know if the run would have really opened up too much, but you had a third down on the second drive of the game. Steelers went three and out on their first drive, which should have been their second drive, but we'll talk about the streak in just a moment. But what it was was on that second drive of the game, it was a I think it was a third and seven, and Ben Roethlisberger hits Juju four first down. I'm like, there we go. Maybe this is it. Then the Steelers had another third long, 28-yard pass to Chase Claypool. Beautiful catch along the sidelines. I don't know if, because of his size and where the ball was, I don't know that any other player on the Steelers makes that play. I mean, I don't know if if how well on the sidelines Ebron could have maybe pulled that in. He was tall enough to maybe get it. Uh, hopefully that's something we'll never have to know because Ebron, you know, he's that middle of the field guy a lot of times. But even though Claypool only had uh, two catches in a rush, I'm pretty sure, that was a pretty big play right there because I think that also helped open up the running game to where the Steelers could then bust out a couple of decent-sized plays. There were only three... NFL running backs who went over 100 yards on opening weekend. None of them happened on Saturday. There were not on Saturday. Well, of course, none of them happened on Saturday. There were no games on Saturday. None of them happened on Sunday. 
None happened on Sunday. So out of the 13 games on Sunday, no 100-yard rushers. There was one in the Thursday night game and one in each of the Monday night games. So it was the the rookie from Kansas City that I well, said, oh, good, I don't have to know how to pronounce his name um, since the Steelers didn't get him. Um, had a had a real nice game Thursday night. And then, of course, Benny Snell Jr. had 113. And then Derrick Henry had, I think, right around the same. I think it was about 115 or 119, somewhere around there. I don't have it up in front of me. But that was on 31 attempts. So that's he got he got all those yards because they they committed to handing him the ball an awful lot. So, uh, yeah, his average was three-something, where Snell's was 5.7. So really love that number. Um, really love the the, the run-to-pass ratio there. Um, although that could be tweaked a little bit because one of those rushes was actually when Ben dropped back. Well, actually, two of them. Two of those rushes were when Ben dropped back to pass. One was because he took off running, had a nice run, um, gained more guards, yards than Saquon Barkley on that play, rushing the ball. And then the other was when he flipped the ball backwards to James Conner, which actually counted as a fumble and a fumble recovery, and then Conner rushed the ball. So um, that was interesting. So I I said about those, it wasn't 30, it was actually 38 dropbacks because then there was also the two sacks where uh, where he dropped back. But that's still, that we'll talk about that number about um, when it comes to this week coming up. But uh, we talked about the Claypool catch. How about the defense and selling out to stop Saquon Barkley? I mean, six rushing yards on 15 attempts. As I talked about in the Scobro show, that's only the third time since the merger that someone has had 15 rushing attempts and had six yards or less. And the other two were in 1998, where it was Emmett Smith did it once, um, 15 attempts, six yards. And then two weeks later, it was uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the Dolphins, the, the football player, um, who had five yards on 15 attempts. So, and like, like I said on that show, Seven of those yards was on a pass play that the ball went backwards, so it counted as a rush. If it was not for that pass play dump off, but the ball went backwards, Saquon Barkley would have ended the night with a negative rushing total. I That is, you want to talk about bold, bizarre, crazy, out-of-this-world predictions? That's not one I would have chosen. I would not have chosen... You want to to hear something crazy? Here's my crazy, can't believe uh, this take. Saquon Barkley's not even going to hit double-digit rushing yards, and he's going to play the whole game. (laughs) I would have said you were absolutely crazy. But, man, the defense decided that's what they were sticking to, and that's what they did. That's what they did. Um, Before I move on, another two two numbers. Well, first of all, I should throw out the, um, the Steelers did pretty well with points off turnovers. Another number, zero. Once again, the Steelers putting up a goose egg on their first drive. Got to start games better than that. Um, When it comes to their scripted plays, we've seen it for some time now, pretty much almost the whole time under Coach Randy, offensive coordinator Randy Fichter, that uh, when when you're talking about your scripted plays, not much success for the Steelers. It's almost like, oh, he's scripting plays. We know what he's going to do, and the defense is ready for it. Uh, Coach Randy's got to change that up a little bit. But – the two streaks that continued, the good and the bad. You got the bad streak of the Steelers with when it comes to having at least one turnover in the game. That extended to, to 24 games. That is not a good thing. That is leading the NFL by far. That goes all the way back to 2018. 
But it wasn't the offense because the streak continued before the offense even stepped foot on the field. It was special teams. It was the, the muffed punt by Deontay Johnson. And I want to clarify a rule to people. I heard some, I, I don't know, it was a post-game thing. I couldn't even tell you what channel it was on. I was writing for the website, and I heard something on the background, and they said, oh, those Giants players need to be more aware to be able to scoop and score. No. You've got to know your football rules. You are not allowed to advance a muffed punt. It can't be advanced. The only reason the the Giants got the ball that far in there was because, or that close, is because the ball was was batted around freely. You you can't advance a muffed punt. The only way you can advance a fumble on a punt is if the officials deem the punt returner to have clear possession and then fumble. So for anyone saying, oh, man, if they would have just picked it up, they could have walked right in the end zone. No reason to try to do that because next thing, you know, and I've seen this happen before. Someone tries to scoop and score on a muffed punt and because they tried to scoop rather than jump on it, they weren't able to, excuse me, they were not able to actually secure the ball because someone else came in and dove on it from the other team. Don't even bother trying to scoop and score if it's a muffed punt. Just fall on the ball because you can't advance it. But the other one that the Steelers did, <coughs> oh, excuse me, man, I've, I've got a tickle in my throat, is they extended their regular season streak of 58 straight games with at least one sack. That is a super impressive streak. Um, I, know the, I know the NFL record, I think, is somewhere up in the 60s. Um, if, if going back a ways, I'll have to look that one up specifically as the Steelers get closer. But um, the next closest is like 19 games. I mean, it's nowhere close. It's it's not even half. So it's not even a third. So the Steelers are rolling with that. Uh, Got to get those sacks. Uh, and that was just one of those other numbers. These numbers are fantastic. Biggest number of all, we always know it. What is the biggest and most key stat from the game that was? It's always a number one. And where does that one go? Does that one go in the win column or in the loss column? And for week one of 2020 for the Steelers, that one went in the win column. 10-point win, could have been a 16-point win. They were kind of just letting the Giants move down the field to take clock. Um, I don't really like that, but... You know, that's why the Steelers never usually finish with an enormous point advantage because that's kind of how they end up playing their defense towards the end. But a win is a win, and now it's it's on to Denver. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to answer a fan question, which has to do with week one. And then we're going to look ahead and say, what do we want to see from the Steelers numbers wise coming up in week two? So make sure you stick around. We'll be back after the short break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Pittsburgh Steeler fans, we are back with the Steeler Stat Geek. I'm still Dave Schofield, and unless something came across that during this time that I'm not aware of, I'm still the co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and we are coming at you, or I'm coming at you with the Steeler Stat Geek this week. Wanted to answer a question that I got. This actually came to me on Twitter uh, from John McCullum. He asked me this before the Steelers game, before the Steelers game. And if you know what happened to the Steelers game, and more importantly, what happened to the game after the Steelers, you're going to see how much this question even changed. And this question was that he noticed a ridiculous number of missed kicks in week one. Wanted to know how common that was. Well, unless you go back and look at every single week of every single season, it's really difficult to get that answer. I didn't look at every single one. I'm sorry. I would love to, but I also still have a website to help run. So, but I did look at some. I did look at some and got some numbers. But here were the numbers for week one of 2020. Now, remember, every team played. I know as you go out along in the season, there's bye weeks and everything else. So rather than look at 17 weeks, I'm looking at this as 16 because everyone's already played. Everyone's played one game. So when I use my divisor in here, I use 16 because I did it by game rather than by week. Although I did look at stuff, you know, some as weeks. But this this week one of 2020, there were five missed extra points, which since they moved it back, you could kind of dive into that a little bit. What was frustrating about that was one of them was by the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was Chris Boswell. Doinked it right off. I mean, he clanked it. He clang right off the the left upright. Um, but you know what? Four or five inches to the right, and it's good. Um, that's that's the difference there. Luckily, that did not come back to haunt them. What was actually worse from Boswell was the kick out of bounds because that's in essence a fifteen yard penalty. They throw a flag and they put it to forty, but it doesn't go in the books as a penalty. But because the reason I say it's a fifteen yard penalty, if that ball goes into the end zone. Then it comes out to the 25. If it goes out of bounds on the sidelines, it comes out to the 40. That's 15 yards. So that's why I say there's your, it's like a 15-yard penalty. So imagine getting a 15-yard penalty on a touchback. That's exactly the same thing. So five missed extra points, 19 missed field goals, 19. 19. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now I can't go back week by week and tell you that there's ever been, you know, more missed than that, just because that would probably, I probably could have been searching that constantly since the end of the second Monday night game. And I still don't know that I would have had that answer for you in time for the show. That would take a tremendous amount just to, by the way, unless there's another database that I could find that could sort it easier. Cause the only way I could do that is to go in week by week every year. But I did look at some other things before I dive into that. There was only one game all weekend that did not have a missed kick one game. And it just so happened to be a game where the teams combined for 77 points. That was between green Bay in Minnesota, uh, there was no misses. In all, there were, the the field goals were three for three, and the point after attempts were six for six between the two teams. Every other game, at least one kick missed of one type. Um, of the thirty-two kickers this past weekend, only twelve of them didn't miss a miss a kick. So there were twenty players that missed kicks um, in week one. 
And there are some places where they've already had some some players turn around. I'm pretty sure I know Cleveland uh, changed their ki- their kicking situation. And other than that, I'm I'm not exactly sure, so I'm not going to say. But some some crazy stuff. And they, it, it wasn't like they were. I I don't mind when a player misses a field goal over 50 yards. That's a long way. And, and even when you're looking close, you know, I kind of look at it as 47 and beyond. You know, a 47-yard field goal means that the line of scrimmage is the 30-yard line. So you get to the 30-yard line, you're kicking that 47-yarder. That and in is when I, where I'm really looking for kickers to really hit. But just listen to some of these distances. These are in no particular order that were missed. 31, 41, 29, 34. 45, 48, 42, 44, 38, 30. Then there's a 50, 47, 49, 51, 54. There are some longer ones. 52, 53, uh, another 53, and a 55. So there were a lot of 50s in there, but there were some shorter ones. A 29-yard field goal. 29-yard field goal. That was, uh, the, that was in the Sunday night game. Uh, that, that's a rough one. So, and then, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals ended up losing the game on a missed field goal, or at least didn't, weren't able to go to overtime. So um, that, that was very interesting. But what I did here was I, I, I broke down some numbers from years past and it was of just how many field goals, I'm not doing extra points right now, how many field goal misses there were per year over the last five years. So um, 2019 had the most by a lot. There were 181 missed field goals in 2019. There, um, in 2000, that averages 11.3 a week. Just so you know, that's what that average comes to. And yes, there were 19 this past week. Okay, 2018 it was 145. 2017 it was 161. 2016 159, and 2015 153. So the low one in there was 2018 with the 145. Um, just so you know, I also went back, rather than look at each year, I went back over the previous 20 years, which was 2000 to 2019. And on average, the total was 151. So, which tells you that they actually were lower toward, you know, there was only, there was only the, the, 145 from 2018 was the only number under the average, which means in some of those other years, there had to be other lower numbers in there than 151 to bring that number down. But what's interesting is 11.3 was the average from, um, for that year, um, for 2019. But if you, I went back and looked at just week one and said, okay, what's the week one average for, um, or, or, or how many missed kicks were there in week one? for 2019 and it was nine. So they were under the average, under the average um, in week one than they were for the season. 2018 was a little bit of an anomaly. There were 10 missed in the first week and the average was nine. Um, 2017, there were only six kicks missed in week one. 2016 had 10 and 2015 had nine. But as you can see, nowhere in the neighborhood of 19. Over the 20 years, 2000, 2019, that I looked at, that was that had that had 151 on the season, which averaged 9.44 um, per week. In specifically averaging the kicks from week one, there would have averaged out per year there would have been 8.7 missed field goals per season over the last 20 years during the first week of the season. 
when all the teams play. Well, technically, uh, all the teams didn't play until what was that? Two thousand was it two thousand two or two thousand three? Whenever the Texans joined the league, um, because there would have been one team had at least one team had to have a bye each week because there was not a number of teams. So that tells you that you know usually you know th- those number of ten in two thousand eighteen to two thousand sixteen in week one was a lot. Nineteen is crazy. If the NFL stays on this pace. They will have 304 missed field goals on the season. There's no way that's going to happen. So you're saying, okay, was it because of no preseason? Very good chance that was why. Was it Was it um, just because the kickers weren't ready? Maybe. But I also think having that preseason, sometimes teams are a little bit more conservative and don't go for the longer field goals in week one. There were a decent bit of long field goals here. I mean, I mean, out of those, out of those 19 that were missed, um, trying to total them up real quick. Um, at least seven of them were 50 yards or more. And then another one that was 49. So maybe teams don't usually go for long field goals uh, in those early weeks, but, um, that was an un- unusual amount an unusually large amount of missed field goals for, for, uh, for a season. So uh, I want to thank you, John McCollum for reaching out to ask that question. So we have a few minutes left here. So what we also want to do is let's it's Thursday. We should be thinking about this. We should be on week two. We shouldn't be worried about week one. I spent way too much time on week one. Love talking about the Steelers win. Love seeing what they did. Love talking about the answering the question and, and looking into those stats for you. But what do we want to see in week two? What do we want to see in week two from the Steelers? What do we want to see as a repeat? And what, what is it that you want to fix? Okay. I, I love seeing the Steelers with the time of possession. Running the ball, having the lead, makes that good time of possession. They were over 31 minutes. Uh, so I would, I would really like to see that in, in week two. I also think there's a good chance that 24 might go away. I could completely see the Steelers taking care of the ball not turning it over and ending the streak. The offense did a great job of taking care of the ball. Ben Roethlisberger didn't throw. Uh, I can't remember which show I mentioned this on. Was it, I don't know if it was the post game or the Scobro show. One of those shows I've been on. Ben Roethlisberger didn't have one or two of those throws that you say, oh man, that should have been picked. The Steelers are lucky that it didn't. I didn't see those throws. I mean, he put that one in the tight window to uh, Deontay Johnson in the first half that, I mean, there was a bunch of defenders there, but Deontay Johnson still had a chance to catch that. It wasn't like it should have been picked off. So generally in the past, you see, oh, wow, Ben should have really been picked off there. I don't, I don't remember seeing that Monday night. I don't remember that at all. So with that, as long as you know Benny Snell learns from his mistakes, if James Conner's back the, or whoever's carrying the rock, hold on to the ball, I could see that streak coming to an end. I also you know, really see the Steelers' streak um, of sacking the quarterback continuing just because they're just so fast. That defensive front is just so fast, and they get there so quick. And the Giants, you know, with no preseason, they had their entire training camp to get ready for that defensive front. That's what they were focused on for all those weeks of training camp. I mean, padded practices started – on on the on the on the seventeenth, when was that? That was a month ago. So now, granted, the, granted, the game was on Monday, so there was almost a month of focusing all on one opponent. These teams have six days until their next game, both the Steelers 
and the Broncos. Are the Broncos ready for that Steelers pass rush? Are they, with with some of the injury problems they're dealing with, going to be able to handle that? Now, theirs isn't on the offensive line like the Steelers. It's Thursday. This I tell you, you need to check in later for Jeff Hartman's uh, injury report, especially for Thursday. Lots of Steelers out on Wednesday. Some that weren't expected, like Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Stephon Tuitt. Really surprised by some of these players that didn't practice on Wednesday. But it was two days after the game. If they had a little bit of an ailment, I'm sure the Steelers are like, now we're shutting this down. We're not doing this. Um, Makes a lot of sense to do it that way. Tomorrow's injury report's really going to tell the story. Still no David DeCastro, no Stefan Wisniewski, but tomorrow will be the key. If any of those guys can practice it, even in a limited capacity tomorrow, there's a chance that they could play on Sunday. So make sure you're looking out for that. Other numbers I want to see from the Steelers. Other numbers I want to see. I would like to see two. I would like this week to be the second game of the 2020 season where the Steelers have a 100-yard rusher. They had one last week. In 2019, they only had one the entire season. And that was James Conner rushing for 145 yards against the Miami Dolphins. I was at that game, by the way. So... Uh, Wouldn't it be great if the Steelers could do that again? But if they don't, I'm okay with that if it's because the rushing yards are divided up between too many players. So you want want those 150-some rushing yards. That's something you should really look forward to. So that's something to look for uh, for the Steelers. I don't think – I don't know that the Broncos are going to have as many passing yards against the Steelers as what – Daniel Jones was able to get because the Steelers just completely sold out for the run. It looks like Philip Lindsay's going to be out maybe for a couple of weeks. So the running back that the Steelers have to worry about is, is um, Melvin Gordon. So, you know, he, he ran the ball pretty effectively uh, on Monday night. But the other thing you got to think about is this is coach Munchak's offensive line in, in Denver. So, he know he might have a little bit better idea of what's coming at him with the Steelers, but they don't have a lot of time to prepare. They don't have a lot of time pre- to prepare for that. So see if we can get the Steelers to knock out that turnover problem, continue to rush the ball, and honestly, 30. That's my number, 30. It was 32 last week. I'd like it to be 30, and 30 to 35 is what I'm going to say. Number of passing attempts by Ben Roethlisberger. The last thing the Steelers are going to need is Ben going out there and chucking it 45 to 50 times because you don't really want to make him have to do that this early in the season, one. And two, he'll do it if he has to. Let's not make Ben Roethlisberger have to do that. Let's try to keep those passing attempts down because the Steelers are much more efficient and effective with their entire offense that they're not going from behind, having to score quick, and having to chuck the ball over the field. I know the Denver Broncos in the past have given the the Steelers some problems. They've lost games to Denver that they shouldn't have many different times. That's something that will be talked about uh, later tonight on the Steelers preview for sure. So let's keep those passing attempts for Ben Roethlisberger reasonable. You know, that's a reasonable number. It's not like you're only asking Ben to throw the ball 22 times. Okay, I'm giving him 30 to 35, but I don't want to see 45 or 50. So that's probably my biggest key number that I would like to see from the Steelers on Sunday. 
So I want to thank you all so much for joining in. Remember, we've got so many audio podcasts coming at you. You've just got to, you, you've got to do what I do. I just follow behind the steel curtain.com on my Apple podcast, I guess is what it is. All I know is I have an iPhone and it's a purple button and I click it and it's right there. I click on it and everything comes up. I don't have to worry about if I miss something, you know, searching for it. It's all right there. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure you go in and, and, and give us a good rating for that. And if you leave a comment, Jeff Hartman will read it on the air on Thursday night's preview show. Um, so we just want to thank you. Make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It really is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So make sure you're checking that out. And next week, I'll be back with some more numbers. Hopefully, that important number one turns into a number two. Because you want to keep that, you know, we want to keep that number in that win column going up. But thank you for jo joining me. And make sure I'll see you next week. Thanks for geeking out with me.